The centurion in this story does not have a name. He is identified by his role, by his office, his job, which is significant. A centurion commanded 100 Roman soldiers, which was certainly enough to keep order in Capernaum, the sleepy Galilean village of 1,500 inhabitants. And on this particular day, Jesus is passing through Capernaum. There is a whole bunch of strangeness in this story. Strange that the centurion would seek help from a popular Jewish rabbi passing through the town. And stranger still that the centurion, the one in charge, would refer to himself as unworthy And strange that the centurion would care enough about his slave to get him the help he needed. And strange that Jesus and the centurion or Jesus and the slave would never meet face to face. And strange that the word spoken by Jesus, the word alone, just the word was enough. No near proximity, no touch, but only His word from a distance was enough. And so strange, especially strange, that Jesus was not only willing to assist this powerful figure from outside the Jewish community, but that he was affected, that he was moved by the centurion's request, that he was amazed at the centurion's faith all strange or surprising or unexpected, but in a good way. And I wonder, where did this centurion get his faith? Who formed him in his faith? When my kids were young, one of the techniques they used to stretch out the bedtime ritual or simply to have more quality time with mom or dad after a busy day was to say, tell me a story about when you were six or whatever age they happened to be at the time. And their mom or I would tell stories, some of them quite embellished to be sure. And there would be lots of questions until there weren't and the children slept. I heard an interview by Ezra Klein with Andrew Sullivan the other day. Sullivan was well known for his blog, The Daily Dish, which he wrote for many years up until about a year ago when he stopped. Sullivan is known as one of the most prolific social and political commentators, hard to pin down, progressive on some issues, conservative on others. I think that's one of the reasons he's so interesting. And to to the shock and constant pushback of his peers, he remains an active Christian, a Roman Catholic. Andrew Sullivan does not push his faith on others, but he is very open about it and talks about it often. Ezra Klein asked him about this. Where did this, and and Klein used this phrase, where did this intuitive feeling of faith come from? Sullivan said, I think it comes very early. I go back to being a child, and the truth is, I was brought up a Catholic, and so I was taken to Mass every week. 
But I also grew up in the edge of a small town in rural England. I think of this time of year when the new green comes into England and the bluebells bloom below in the Sussex woodlands where I grew up. And for about a week, there's this unbelievably vibrant blue sea beneath the leaves. It never occurred to me as I was sitting around looking at that, that there wasn't a God. And when I say that, it never occurred to me that there was no meaning. When I hear the story about the centurion, I want to know what his life was like as a child. Was there a gentle side to this strong and rugged man's upbringing? Did he sit on the side of a hill watching the birds soaring above him, pondering the origins of life? Did he sneak off by himself to create a world of make-believe? Did something happen to him that opened his mind or his heart to wonder? There must have been something. Because his friendship with the Jewish elders and the faith that would lead him to seek out Jesus is so surprising and unexpected. It seems to come out of nowhere. The first time the centurion reaches out to Jesus on behalf of his slave, some of his Jewish friends go and tell Jesus that he's really a good person. He's worthy because he loves the Jewish people and he built us a synagogue, they say. But when the centurion hears about this, what they told Jesus, he sends another group of friends to tell Jesus this time that no, he is not worthy but say the word and his servant will be healed. And this is what really gets the reaction from Jesus. It's as if Jesus has never heard such a thing. There is something unique and authentic about the centurion's faith. Remember how much of an outsider he is. Yet he trusts that what he needs cannot be a reward for good conduct, but instead he wants Jesus to know that he, on behalf of his slave, is completely dependent on God's mercy. And Jesus is amazed by this. Jesus is moved by this. Jesus and the centurion never meet. But Jesus does say the word, and the slave is healed. The centurion, this complete outsider, gets something that we often do not. That God's healing or God's grace and mercy and forgiveness is offered to us, not because we are worthy or because we are good people, but rather because God is gracious and merciful. An unexpected faith is a faith that thoroughly trusts that our worth comes from God's claim on us and not from anything else. Whether we deserve it or not, God's grace comes to us. That Jesus was so amazed by the centurion's faith must lead us to believe that perhaps this event even changed Jesus. I've said it once, I'll say it again. What we find in Luke-Acts, and it's one 
story in two volumes, the Gospel of Luke and the Act book of the Acts of the Apostles and the first book of the New Testament. What we find in this two-volume set is the early church pushing beyond the boundaries of the Jewish faith. We really see this in the second volume, the book of Acts, when Paul establishes a mission among the Gentiles. But even here, early in the gospel, Jesus gives us a glimpse into what is to come as he is himself surprised by the unexpected faith of the Gentile centurion, which leads him to declare, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Faith is at work inside of Israel and outside of it. Faith is at work inside the church and outside of the church. We can't contain it. There are a couple of takeaways here for us. First, that faith can be unexpected, even enough to surprise Jesus. And second, that God's grace pushes beyond the boundaries that we are so apt to create. We may be surprised at faith that seemingly comes out of nowhere, but we should never be surprised at God's grace and mercy, which is constant and ever-present. Amen. <laughs>